Welcome back to Decadorics. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Jordan as Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, as the super nostalgic guy who was trying to write something funny based off the number 99, but then just got caught up looking through all the songs that were popular the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. He was too busy looking at 69. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the first number flipped upside down. No. Anyway, if you believe that this podcast is great, then slide on over and rate us five stars. <laughs> yeah, why don't you just slide? <laughs> I still believe the hardest thing is just taking the five minutes to fly away from this episode for a few seconds and go leave oh a review. Goodness. You're thinking, I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> just pause the podcast and everything will be smooth. Don't forget about our Patreon. And if you keep telling yourself you'll join someday, well, these are the times. So save tonight just a little time to do it. You'll feel like an all-star. <laughs> Somebody once told me. <laughs> no. <laughs> For all of you who are already patrons, every morning I wake up so thankful because of you. I do cherish you. <laughs> <laughs> that was like four in one sentence. Oh, that was good. Don't forget, I sometimes stream on Twitch. Sometimes people will pop up in chat and I'll be like, who dat? But once you tell me your name, I will remember you. Will you remember me? <laughs> we have a shop at 12sidedguys.com. <laughs> this one's so bad. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have a shop at 12sidedguys.com where you can get shirts, stickers, and steins, but no scrubs <laughs> and no hats. I mean, we could have, but I want it that way because they were a little unpretty. <laughs> Lastly, come chat with us on Discord. The link is in the description. Lately, we've been chatting about the Wild Wild West, that is the D&D OGL. Wiki Wiki Wild. Well, <laughs> there may be some scar tissue once the dust settles, but we feel fortunate for all the topics of discussion over there. From this moment on, I'm going to stop with the music jokes. Well, maybe one more. Anyway, if you ever busted into a castle and were like, where are my girls at? Only to be told she was in another castle? Then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex episode 99. That was gold. That was that was amazing. Anybody have any idea how many different songs there were in that intro? It was a lot. I, I don't even. That was. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm guessing 25. It was at least 25. It was 24 unless you count one of the U's, Y-O-U, that is just randomly in there as number 25, which I feel I feel kind of bad about doing. But apparently there was a song called You in 1999. I do. I count it. So yeah, you guys are right. 25. 25 out of the top 100 songs I got into that intro. Oh, that was fun. All right, you guys. Well, hey, welcome back to The Crystal Codex, episode 99. Last time we were together, uh, our party, uh, I was going to say Sabrina and the boys, Nari and the boys 2.0 were flying in this big boat of an airship. Uh, literally, I guess it is a boat. A big tub tub of an airship. Yeah, yeah. 
the the brass butterfly on their way from the city of Almar to Kalinium, the capital of Menarest, where there have been rumblings of earthquakes and tremors. And the very first night out of Almar, as everyone was asleep, Roos got a surprise visitor. Thankfully, Nari woke up and went to go check on everybody and saw that Roos's ex-boyfriend, Theron, the um, hunter from Howling Talon, was standing over Roos's body, ready to whip him and club him into submission. He just can't get over me. (laughs) (laughs) Without consent. We should should specify, without consent. Yeah. I used the safe word, and he didn't listen. (laughs) Yes, you did. So after um, after a fight with with Farron, um, there another combatant entered um, entered the combat and uh, passed by Richter, but it was actually the butler from Renato Pello from Kelta, um, the rich man who also did all the horse racing, whose mansion was half burned down. Um, as Ebby left, I don't know if anyone else remembers that specific detail. Oh yeah, I remember the arson. <laughs> yes. Did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Who would say his butler, Azario, as well as his cook, Mona, after the man from Menarest, as well as his tall redheaded bodyguard, his manservant, and then also the clunky um, deacon who seemed to be malfunctioning as it tried to hide underneath um, uh, bleachers and things like that. Anyway... Azario, the butler, came to help Farron in the fight, um, but quickly Farron was subdued, and Azario looked like hit the tables had turned on him as well. Richter, on the other hand, started to go up the stairs to see what was going on uh, on the deck when he was blasted with just these powerful spells from the uh, the cook of Renato Pello, Mona. Mona yeah, blasted him to less than ten hit points, if I recall correctly. But thankfully, uh, Richter is a warlock and hosed her, just destroyed her in one round. Um, So Mona was dead. Farron was captured. And uh, Azario, sensing that the time was uh, right for him to escape, cast a darkness spell, started speeding out of the the, uh, airship, and then uh, managed to avoid the attacks of opportunity and jumped over the side of the ship. No, I crit him on, on my attack of opportunity. Did you? Yeah. I did like 50 damage or something. Because also, didn't didn't Lady Jaffa, Lady Jaffa's uh, essence came in and made you miss one of those times. Yes, but then the attack of opportunity, though, I did crit. Okay. Regardless, he still had a little life left in him, and he jumped over the side of the ship. After that, there was some discussion about what to do, and um, the captain of the airship apparently had been ensorcelled by Mona. But you had decided that since Farron was knocked unconscious and he was probably going to be out for the duration, you guys would let him rest as you guys got some sleep. And in the morning, you were going to, I believe, give him one crystal of Featherfall and throw him over the side. Naked. With a dagger. Well, I mean, I just threw that out as an idea, but everybody was like, yeah. Well, that's where we left off last time. And so, at this moment, the sun is coming up over the horizon. And up here in the sky, amongst the clouds aboard the brass butterfly, uh, light comes streaming in to all of the rooms because you all are on um, exterior walls. And uh, light comes streaming in through the portholes of your, of your rooms. And you all start to wake up 
Roos and Pine, you guys have a room together kind of at the rear of the ship. And as you guys wake up, you can also hear a moaning and kind of a, uh, a tossling of uh, Farron as he begins to come to as well. He is bound. Um, you guys didn't necessarily move him, I don't think. So he's still laying on the floor next to Roos's bed. And that's where we're at right now. He did have some um, wadded up like sheets underneath his head. Okay, and you also, you took off his armor, you took his whip, you took his um, his blackjack, and you took his bag of crystals. Yep, all the things, all the things. I was going to try to make a joke about um, every morning and there's a halo, but it's not my girlfriend's four-post bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my narcissistic ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Paul got my mind thinking about music from the late 90s as opposed to D&D from right now. Morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was an eventful night. I'm glad we survived. I'm glad he survived, honestly. I am too. I don't think I have it in me to actually kill him. Well, uh, it sounds like he's coming too. Shall we uh, each grab an arm and take him up to the top? Do you still want to do that? Do you still want to? Yes, yes. Toss him overboard? That's the plan. I guess we should make sure we're not over water. (laughs) Let's go talk to the captain. I'll grab one arm. He grab grab the other. Or you can grab his legs or whatever. I just realized that we're the the weakest members of the party. <laughs> uh, well, again, to be fair, I'm pretty sure that we're all equally weak except for Nari. That's true. That's true. She is jacked. <laughs> <laughs> I work out, dude. Are you guys all equally weak? I have an eight strength. Yes. I also have an eight strength. I also have an eight strength. <laughs> yeah, dump stat. <laughs> you guys all, you guys all have your dump stat as strength. Oh, that's so good. Uh, maybe as the DM, I should know this stuff. Oh well, I trust you guys to know your characters. <laughs> it's why I, it, it's why I always fail my strength saves. Oh gosh. All right. Well, um, okay. I imagine you guys go and get uh, Nari to help drag Farron um, up onto the deck. Um, as you guys kind of come up the stairs onto the deck of the Brass Butterfly, um, the stairs get a little bit slick as you get to the top. Apparently, it had rained at some point over the night, and there's also some condensation, some dew um, on the on the decking. But you can see sailors climbing around in the rigging, um, you know, tying lines and that kind of thing. And you also see the captain is still standing at the tiller, or at the uh, at the wheel. Um, he sees as you, as you guys come up, and he kind of just nods at you, and then keeps flying the ship. It's a good thing we had that rain. I mean, look, it washed away all that old lady blood. <laughs> oh man, we really needed that. You can still see a lot of old lady blood. <laughs> wow, she bled a lot. Jeez. <laughs> Apparently, there's like nine pints in the body. She was so withered and old, though. I figured, you know, maybe six and a half pints, you know, <laughs> like an old crumpled water bottle. Does anyone else seem to think the captain is taking this surprisingly well? I think he's kind of angry about what she did to him. At least maybe I'm taking that for granted. I gave him a little bit of money. Uh, the captain does seem. Uh, he, last night, he definitely seemed uh, very uh, grumpy about having been ensorcelled. Well, is Farron awake? Uh, Farron, his eyes are kind of rolling. He's kind of like you can see his eyelids fluttering, but he's not actually awake. He's kind of coming to though. I can piss on him if you want. No, that's all right. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> he didn't get stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> I'm just talking about waking him up right in the eyes. 
All right. Um, he's okay. Yeah. He actually, as you guys get up to the deck, I think the light kind of hits him in the face, and he kind of you can feel him kind of recoil, and then kind of start to open up one eye. As Nari's white butt like or fucks the sun into his face, as she- <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, no, please, no. Um, he's like, what? He looks over at you guys. He's like, oh, so I see my plan didn't work. <laughs> Two things to say to you, and then we're going to push you over the edge. The first thing is, I have friends, and they take care of me in a way that the Howling Talon never could. And it's because of them that we have you in this position. Perhaps you should reconsider your stance from our last discussion. And the second thing is, taking all your gear, you can have this crystal, and hopefully you recognize it. His eyes get wide when he recognizes what crystal you're handing him. And finally, this is Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> and you just boot him over the side. Yep, and I just push him over the side. Oh, and he's like, wait, wait, wait. And he's gone. I don't want to see you again. <laughs> oh, crap. This, here's the crystal. You throw it down at him. Sorry, I forgot to hand it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should see other people. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, you can tell that you guys are still over land. Um, it's going to be a, t- uh, a couple of days. It's probably like halfway through the third day before you get to the the new uh, strait, I think is what it's called, between um, Menarest and um, Rakolia. Uh, it used to be connected. Menarest or uh, Kalinium Province used to be a peninsula that kind of came off of the off the side, off the west side of the of the continent. But um, after the shattering, uh, the Isthmus. Uh, kind of uh, it collapsed <laughs> in i don't know i'm throwing out random geography terms anyway it collapsed in and then now there's a, a straight there's a there, into the bay there's uh. a narrow yes there's a narrow um a narrow sea basically between menarest and uh, and Rocolia. and so it's gonna be a, a, at least another day and a half before you get to that um to that straight and now it's an archipelago. Nice job losing <laughs> that dead weight, Bruce. Nari, we're going to slap him on the back. <laughs> I'm glad to be done with him. As you guys are kind of talking and congratulating each other, you can, you, you can see that Gerard and uh, Porthos are up on the deck. Porthos is getting some sun. And Gerard is just kind of like scratching around behind his, behind his head. Ex-boyfriend. Came uninvited. Tried to sneak into our room. <laughs> he just kind of nods the and gives you a thumbs up. didn't work. <laughs> hey, Porthos. Why not, why not Porthos? Hey, Gerard. We've come into some money recently, and we're wondering if we could see your wares. Oh, my friends, yes. Yes, I, 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 I'd be happy to show you what I've got. Come, come on, come on over here. And then he uh, starts pulling stuff out of the back. Are the rest of you ready to do some shopping? I mean, it's the beginning of a chapter. <laughs> I'm always ready to do some shopping. Uh, technically, isn't this episode four of the chapter? Yeah, it's true. Man, this is flying by. It is flying by. Um, what I was going to say is um, uh, Gerard starts pulling things out of the bags off of Porthos's back. One thing you've recognized about Porthos is uh, usually he's always got like the saddlebags just strapped to his back and he doesn't seem to care doesn't seem to mind um it's just it's just kind of part of him it seems like not like literally part of him but you never see him without um gear strapped to his back so let's see what gerard has for sale it has not changed 
before this happens, Paul, I want to use my trained senses. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, is Porthos undead celestial or fiend? Porthos is not undead celestial or fiend. No, and neither is Gerard. <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. I did not like the way he said that. I was thinking maybe he was an angel. Porthos is not undead, celestial, or fiend. Hmm. Porthos is the big bad. We're all going to have to end up killing Porthos. Is Porthos one of the lords and ladies, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're onto something. Yeah, no, I think he is. I think he's the lords and ladies in disguise, and we're gonna just have to get him. It's, he is. The, he's the lord of floofy animals. Oh, the floofy boy lord. Oh yes, the floofiest. Um, don't forget, you guys also have things to sell if you want to. Okay. Potions. There are some healing potions. He's got four regular healing potions. You guys already bought all of his greater healing potions. Um, he's got an elixir of health. He's got a potion of heroism. A potion of growth. Um, or reduce uh, either either way um potion of spider climb potion of speed potion of blink and a potion of four or a bead of force um and then he's got an ever smoking bottle rope of climbing uh staff of withering a bag of holding a pair of uh, movable rods he's got ring of the ram he's got the horn of valhalla silver um he's got cloak of the bat he's got an animated shield and he's got gauntlets of ogre power and a wand of magic missile what, do the, what does the Cloak of the Bat do? The Cloak of the Bat, I, it lets you fly in darkness. I am Batman. <laughs> oh my gosh. It also lets you, um, here, let, turn let into me just a make bat. sure I'm telling you. Yeah, it lets you turn into a bat for an hour. We had an interesting uh, campaign uh, a couple of years ago where somebody had the Cloak of the Bat, didn't tell anybody, and turned into a bat, and then was trying to get everyone's attention as a bat. And then one of the other players <laughs> swatted it, yep. dealing two points of damage. And then he came out of bat form and couldn't use it again until the next day. Um, yeah. So uh, the cloak <laughs> of the bat, um, you have advanced on a night that we needed it for recon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, most definitely, 100%. Anyway, while you're wearing it, you have uh, you have advantage on dexterity uh, stealth checks. Um, and then if it's dim or dark, you can actually um, grab the edges of the cloak and you can fly at 40 feet. Um, and, but if you let go of the of the edges of the cloak, you will fall. Or if you leave, um, you leave uh, like the dim or dark light, um, then you you'll also fall. So you can't fight while flying because your hands are full with the cape. Exactly, exactly. Or so if this you're is flying. Paul's going to cast sunlight at you and make you fall to your death. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? A bat? Here, let me get out my red candle and cast daylight. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, just there's there's lots of possibilities, right? Um, anyway, and then also while you're wearing the cloak uh, in dim light or darkness, you can use your action and cast polymorph on yourself to turn it into a bat. Now, when you when you are in this form, you do retain your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores, but you it can only be used once per day. So that's the cloak of the bat. Um, that's Bruce Wayne's cape. <laughs> Remind me of the beat of force. How much is that? Beat of Force is 960 gold pieces. And it casts what? Force Cage? Uh, the Beat of Force. Uh, yeah, I think basically um, it um, you, you, you use your action to throw it um, up to 60 feet and then it explodes on impact. And if you're within 10 feet of it, uh, you have to make a dexterity 15 uh, save or you take 5d4 force damage. 
and then um, a sphere of transparent force then encloses you for a minute. Um, if you failed your save, you're inside uh, and you're completely inside that that uh, circle, then you're trapped in the sphere. Um, and then um, you can breathe in there, but no attacks or, or other effects can get through it. And then um, you can push the sphere from the inside or from the outside. It's a hamster wheel or hamster ball. Basically, yeah, it's a, it's a hamster wheel. And it only weighs one pound. So you can trap like three or four guys in there and then one person can pick it up because it only weighs one pound and then just throw it off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait for like, wait for 55 seconds, then toss it. We do like throwing people. Apparently. Wait, so, but it's a one and done, right? So even if I miss... One and done. Yeah. If I miss or they make the save, it's just gone. That's a lot of money for a for a lot of ifs. It is. And if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, I don't know the rest of that line because Homer Simpson didn't know the rest of that line. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all have a Merry Christmas. Um, yeah. So any other questions? Um, how much is the animated shield again? The animated shield is 6,000 gold pieces. Okay. I can pitch in toward that. You have things to sell, potentially. I want to know about the stat that the staff that we got from Tiderius. Do we ever figure out what his stats were? You did not. You didn't spend time with it. Um, but you do have somebody standing right in front of you who can cast identify for hundred gold pieces. It's like pocket change. <laughs> hey, um, um, Gerard, what is this? And I'll whoever has the staff, I'll point to it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sabrina has it. Actually, Nari has it. Hey, can you tell us what this thing does? Uh, who's paying the hundred gold? I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Um. He. He. Nari, do you hand over the staff? Yeah, absolutely. You hand over this ornate, uh, dark staff with like metal, uh, kind of uh, uh, filigree and like uh, bands on it. It looks very um, well made, very ornate. Um, and you hand it over to him, and as he's holding it, he pulls a little pearl out of his pocket and starts rubbing it uh, with his thumb. Remember, he's also wearing a witch's hat um, and and boots with the fur, in case you need that visual. Um, as he's rubbing this pearl, Andy's chubby Morgan Freeman. So <laughs> Andy's chubby Morgan, chubby Freeman. Morgan Freeman with a witch hat. And furry boots, rubbing a pearl and looking at a staff. Classic, <laughs> as he does. We have gotten him all of his clothes. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, so as he's holding, oh, let's see if you let's see if he wants Farron's clothes we took last night. He'd look <laughs> quite sharp in them. I don't think they'd fit him. <laughs> so uh, he's he's kind of rubbing the pearl and looking at the staff, and then uh, he hands the staff back to you, Nari, and he says. This is a very elegant weapon. Um, it is. Uh, it hits with some very powerful force. In fact, uh, it actually. It's a. It's actually. It is a plus one maul, that also deals an extra d six force damage with each strike. Oh, so it's like it's just a three d six weapon. It's a three d six weapon. Wow. And he says, in addition. There is some power here in this staff. Remember, when he's saying staff, it's actually a mall for game terms, but it still looks like a staff. There's some power here in this staff. Uh, it seems that once every day, every dawn, it gains the power to um, blast an enemy with force and push them back, but also dealing some damage. Basically, it um, once per day, you can shoot up to 60 feet um, and uh, you can hit somebody with uh, a blast of force that does 3d10 force damage and pushes you back five feet. That's, that's awesome. So it's, it's 
quasi Ring of the Ram. Uh, Ring of the Ram has three charges. It deals a little bit less damage, but you can do it three times. This is one charge. Deals a little bit more damage for that one charge, um, but it's only one and done. It's really too bad it's not an axe, though. Could we, hmm, could we make the staff into the haft of an axe? Um, Chubby Morgan Freeman just says, oh. <laughs> Hope only Dorden were here. He says, my friend, if there's enough money, you can do anything. That's true. And honestly, there's some, fa- there's some fabulous weaponsmiths in Menrest. Um, that is true. We did, we did have some phenomenal weapons masters. You're wielding a Menery's weapon. Mine is a, was at one point a Menery's weapon. Oh, was it really? This used to be my officer's saber, but then I combined it together with a, with a, one of those flimsy foil swords that uh, I, well, I got it from a girl I was dating for like a day. (laughs) Oh. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Yes, and then honestly, we took one of the adjudicator swords, and and there was a smith in the mountains who combined it all together, and and now I have my ambassador's blade, level three. Is that a uh, is that a plus two or plus three to its uh, dice roll? Or uh... oh, honestly, no. It's just it's cold. It it makes it makes it it makes every attack makes the uh, the target chilly. Oh, well, they, they crave a sweater. and some pumpkin spice latte that's ferocious i'm cold just thinking about it you monster anyway i'm just wondering (laughs) that's that that staff is amazing i'm wondering uh, mechanically you know if 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 in this world D were a thing it's much more powerful than the current axe that nari's wielding but i'm wondering if we could combine them together in some way like we've done with other weapons so that you could get the benefit of that but still have your you know the weapon that you care about so much, Nari. I do love my axe, but if it, I mean, if it comes to protecting us versus uh, my axe, I guess I could probably, I could probably give her up. Oh, we could sell this for lots of money. It's yes, yes, I would buy it for lots of money. Yes. How, how much money, in fact? He starts looking it over again, says, I would give you, I'd give you 6,500 gold pieces. Wow. We could trade that for a couple of movable rods and then have some left over for some. Oh, you wanted the shield. (laughs) (laughs) Trade this awesome weapon over for some immovable rods. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Look at that inanimate carbon rod. (laughs) There's your Simpsons quote from me for the night. (laughs) Did you actually get to see the rod? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine though an, an immovable rod on the real planet earth you push the button and it stays in 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 place like permanently but then what's like immediately starts traveling seventeen thousand miles per hour relative to you exactly i know or even more depending on what the actual if it's referencing a place farther off in the universe yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> Just... terrifying <laughs> Good thing that Pavantis is a plane. Oh, no, no, it is a globe. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. All right. Well, um, there is also, just so you guys remember, I don't know if you guys remember, you also have a spell book um, that you took off of Mona um, that you can sell. Oh, that's right. I wanted to, I know it was rather heavily uh, inscribed. Um, 
Is there anything special or unique? Is it possible to make like another Arcana check or something just to? I'd let I'd let somebody else make it. Okay. Sorry, you you did you did fail. <laughs> I did. <laughs> let me take a look at that. I'll I'll give it a look over. Yes, please. That's a seven. I roll so many sevens. I roll so many sevens. I don't know if you guys noticed that. <laughs> Lucky number seven. All right. Yeah, you know it's funny because that is exactly. I'm looking back here at the numbers. That's exactly what Richter rolled uh, for his roll. Was a it seven. appears to be a book that's somewhat inscribed. Hmm. <laughs> mm, that's what. That's what I said. That's amazing. Gerard sees you guys talking about his book. He's like, I could. I could look at it for you. How much for the old lady book? Um, he starts <laughs> looking through it and paging through the different pages. And as he gets towards the end, his eyes start getting bigger and bigger. And he's like, oh, I would give you 4,500 gold pieces for this. Sold. Yeah, it seems like he let out his secret. Gerard, never, never turn against us. Okay, 4,500 gold pieces. He hands it to you guys. Cool. Um, and now if, Gerard if, is in possession of at least one level nine spell. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, have you guys no haggling ability? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I trust Gerard to give us the best deal every time. He literally popped a boner for this like book. I mean, Gerard is our best customer. Uh, who are we to argue with him? <laughs> yeah, that's not smart, people. Here's, here's what I would say. If, if you wouldn't mind... Could we? Could I use the forty five hundred gold plus some of my own to buy the uh, the animated shield? Oh yeah, oh, I'm done, done in a deal. Yes. So here, uh, you take the book plus fifteen hundred gold, and we'll call it a deal. That's a deal, and he shakes your hand. Congratulations. Great. Okay, you have a dan- You have a, a, a animated shield, a dancing shield. I, I believe I described it as having like a um, a figure of like a uh, some kind of like a dancer in in a like a kind of a flowing pose uh, inscribed on the or emblazoned on the front of the shield, like a dancing queen on there. Dancing queen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Gerard says, um, "I'm afraid that I." I'm a little short on cash. I won't be able to buy anything from you anymore, uh, at least not until I, we get to Clinium and I can start to sell some of my wares. But um, if there's anything that you are interested in that I have now besides the shield? I would like all the rest of your healing potions and that uh, the potion of Enlarge Reduce. Okay. Um, so the rest of the healing potions, that's uh, 200 gold pieces for four potions of healing. And then um, uh, the enlarge reduce potion is 270 gold pieces. Deal. 470 for the lot. Okay. Why are, why are these beads of force all connected with one string? <laughs> if oh, you have to ask, you probably don't need to know. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I've noticed they're also incrementally larger as they go. I don't understand. (laughs) Is the last bead the most powerful? The most potent bead of all? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm pretty sure yes, it is. So if you get all the way to the last bead, that's like an accomplishment. I know I would be impressed. (laughs) I could handle that. I could get to the last bead. 
I'm powerful. I can do anything. All right. Anything else anybody else is interested in? Or is that it for shopping? After I've purchased all those things, I'll say, you know who's a little lonely and could use some company? Crumbles. And I'm going to spend uh, the time to uh, summon Crumbles on the deck so he can hang out with Porthos. Oh, Crumbles. Fantastic. We haven't seen Crumbles for a while either. Yeah. So after about 10 minutes, then there's like kind of this, um, I imagine this kind of mist kind of rolls in out of nowhere and kind of obscures part of the deck for a little bit. And then you hear this, um, this bugle call from, from Crumbles that you haven't heard for a while. And then out of the mist steps this beautiful Alaton with uh, Aurora Borealis colored fur and this crystal horn coming off of his nose. Hey, uh, hey, good boy. Hey, look who it is. It's Porthos. You should go say hi. Yeah, Crumbles uh, kind of prances up to Porthos and gives a little sniff and Porthos kind of looks over and kind of gives a little hrumph. And then uh, Crumbles, I think, kind of uh, curls his legs up underneath him and kind of rests and lays down next to uh, next to Porthos as Porthos lays down on the deck. I can't tell you how many people have given a kerumph to, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, as you guys are finishing up selling, Gerard hands you guys an egg and says, here you go, on the house. How many um, Porthos eggs do you have at this point? Oh, yeah, where's... <laughs> Where's that omelet bar? We were told there was an omelet bar on the ship. There is, uh, there is definitely a mess hall. Uh, the captain actually hears you say, "Oh, you're hungry." Yes, uh, down below uh, at the front of the ship, um, uh, at the bow of the ship. <laughs> There's a galley. They call it a. Don't they call it a galley? Ah, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I call it a mess hall because people on this ship don't know other words. <laughs> well, we sure have an omelet to share with the boys. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure Roos has like three that he purchased back in in Alma before we left. I sit on them at night and I secretly hope they'll hatch. <laughs> <laughs> and they might, Roos. And they might. I desperately want to be there to make sure they imprint on me. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, d- hey, hey, Richter. Hey, Richter, do you think that we need to have the talk with Roos? You know, like the birds and the bees. The birds sit on their eggs. Yes, that when the birds come, the bee must sting swift and true right into the heart of the beast. Slay it there permanently. <laughs> 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 this is the way of nature. Pesky birds. That is the way of the birds and the bees. <laughs> or better yet, use your bead of force on that little bird. <laughs> the f- that bird up. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. No, I mean, I mean, okay. So, hey, Roos. Porthos, you know. He lays yes, he lays eggs and all that, and it's it's bizarre. But typically, there needs to be two parents for the egg to actually hatch. Oh, Gerard says, "Oh no, this isn't how woolly oxes are are born. This isn't no, no, this isn't like a baby woolly ox. Oh, what is it like an owl pellet or something? <laughs> well, but yes. Oh, gross! 
<laughs> oh gross! It's like is it? It's like am, it's like ambergris from like a whale. It's like the phlegm stuff. Ugh. I, as you guys are talking with Gerard and doing all this buying and selling, you hear the captain up ahead say, "Oh, we're entering the dead zones." What? No cell phone service here. I hate it when there's no cell phone service. Who am I supposed to text? <laughs> as you guys are flying further west, you see running in a straight line. From the northeast, heading to the southwest. Oh, crap. This strip of desolation that cuts right across Rokolia, straight as an arrow. And you recognize what happened when Ebby awakened all of the Ormex. And the mood up on the deck gets very somber amongst the sailors and amongst the captain. And even Gerard kind of like, he takes his hat off for a second and kind of looks over the side. Um, kind of a almost like an eerie feeling kind of washes over the ship because most people don't know why this happened. They just know that it did. Pine will go to the gunnel and he will um, just look out back toward the facility where all this happened, kind of tracing the line with his eyes silent and remembering. Richter, I imagine you, you see Pine's reaction I mean, you see everyone else get kind of somber, but everyone else is a little bit more, I imagine, kind of scared and like on edge. And you see Nari and Roos and Pine have a little bit of a different reaction, especially as Pine has described his reaction. You see the captain is up there and he's gripping the wheel with both hands. And he just says, I, we, we passed over one in the middle of the night. Now, on the way to Colonium, this is, this is the only other one that we're going to cr- cross over. But I, I do hate these dead zones. We'll be through it soon enough. Roos lets out the most awkward bird call. Kaka! Oh. Pine weeps. I imagine that even uh, crumbles uh, bugles. Porthos lets out a moan. <gasps> <laughs> You bring us way down and then you bring it right back. <laughs> it was a sad moan from Porthos. One of the few emotions you've ever seen him display besides hunger, or I guess not even hunger. Contentment, I guess, is the only emotion you've ever seen. Well, I believe Ebby had a rousing conversation about uh, Crumbles as a potential mate for Porthos at one point. but none of you were there for it. So none of you know that. So screw you all. (laughs) (laughs) So Richter walks up kind of along the, uh, the rail near pine and sensing that clearly this is like, uh, a solemn moment in a way. He, uh, he very gently kind of tries to broach the topic and just try to confirm, you know, his recollection of what he what he's been told and he says so this this was the result of essentially the sacrifice of your companion is that correct this is um part of the cost that the world paid to free the ormec people yes but i say part because it was only part abby's Ebby's physical form is still out there somewhere, raging, 
angry, confused. Is this something that we should, uh, that perhaps sometime we should try to seek out and put to rest? I think, um, I think that might be a good idea. I'm, I guess I'm, I dare not hope. But part of me, part of me is wishing that the brilliant minds at the Kilava will find a way to harness Ebby's crystal matrix. And then he can let us know what he thinks needs to be done with his former shell. I have grown to know you and your companions a little bit better over these last uh, few days and weeks. And, well, if there is anything that I can do to be of help in this, I want you to know that I'm willing to and want to help as best I can. You are not at all what I thought you were going to be, Richter. I am happy to know you. Thank you. That that means a lot to me. I think for now, I think for now we keep this between us. There's already so much animosity toward the Ormec people. I think if it was known widely that this destruction, these bands of destruction came at not at their bidding, but at their benefit. It could cause a lot of issues. Yes. Yes, I suspect you're correct about that. Well, that's a fine shield you bought. Oh, thank you. I call her Shielda. (laughs) (laughs) How you read my mind, I was just going to ask if you gave her a name yet. A hundred percent. I give all of my weapons lady names. That way I'm never alone. (laughs) Check me. (laughs) And it fits because the Lady of Shields was actually like a giant shield. Was she really? Yeah, Balbarel. Giant shield. Mm, Is he just Bal, 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 (laughs) Barel? Bal, 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 Barel. No. I just was, I was like, it's not Barbarella. It's not Barbarella. <laughs> Barbarella. Yes, he was a, a, a giant shield with um, giant, huge tracts of land. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fascinating. You know, they never quite show that in the depictions or discuss it in the uh, religious institutions. I mean, we never met her, unfortunately. You know, she, um, it's true what they, it's the, some scholars believe that she, she, she died, you know, fighting inevitability. It's kind of a little esoteric knowledge, not a lot of, not widely known, but, um, I can verify that it is true. We saw her body on the floor <laughs> in the facility where we, where we saw Iremil. Well, I think that, uh, that establishes you and your, your companions as Probably the world's foremost experts on the lords and ladies at this point. Oh, hell, that's that's unnerving. That's disappointing, honestly. <laughs> probably, yes, it is probably a, a bit disappointing. It says so much that we know so little about them and we're still 
the most experienced in the field. I mean, I mean, I went to Bible school, but like I flunked the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, as you guys continue to fly west towards Kalinium, um, the day passes. You spend some time getting uh, acquainted with your weapons. If you want to use the staff, Nari, um, you need to attune to that. And Roos, if you want to use this shield, it requires attunement as well. No, I think I'll let Richter keep it. I I won't steal it. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Richter, if you want to use the shield. Yes, my bad. Go ahead and attune to that as well. Um, but time passes here on the ship. Uh, before long, that line of desolation, the the dead zone, is uh, is far in the rear. And the spirits aboard the ship kind of uh, lighten back up again. Um, people uh, purposefully ignore the bloodstains on the deck right by the stairs. The rain did wash it away a little bit, but there's still definitely old lady blood that has seeped into the boards and you got to change them. Um <laughs> Yeah, Nobody got a chicken duck okay. woman thing waiting for us. Yes. Sorry, a little um, bad lip reading uh, humor. Bushes of Love, um, a great song. Unless there's something else you guys want to do, we can actually fast forward the rest of the trip to arriving in Kalinium. But I wanted to play the license plate game. <laughs> <laughs> Pine never change. Um <laughs> Anybody who wants to see the city of Clinium can go to the wiki at this point. I don't have it on um, roll 20. Um, I'm going to actually go to the wiki as well, just to make sure I can see um, what I'm talking about. If you go to the wiki, it's under Pavantis Disc 2 Spoilers, and then you can actually go straight to Clinium there in Menarest off that map. As you sail uh, through the sky, heading west, at some point you do cross over the... Um, the let's see i called it the the new load <laughs> there's a big black box where i'm trying to read the new the new straight yes uh, the new load <laughs> <laughs> at some point you do fly over this this new straight this that separates menarest from Racolia. And uh, you are flying over the country of Menarest. You can see um, at one point you fly relatively close to another city on your way to Clinium. You can see it in the distance on the horizon, but you skip right past it and head all the way almost to the far west. uh, Well, you are on the west coast um, of Menarest, not the furthest west point, but you are on the coast. Um, And you can see in the distance the city of Kalinium. Pine and Richter, you guys have been here before. Um, the city of Kalinium is not large. Um, it's got um, a few, it's got three uh, roads that come to it. One from the north, one from the east, and one from the south. Um, as you approach the city, it kind of, Almar was so big that to see Kalinium, even though it is a city, um, it just seems kind of small. Um, kind of not, um, unimpressive because it's a beautiful city um but it does just kind of seem dainty almost as you approach like boise idaho (laughs) sure yes just like boise um and just like boise there are a couple of suburbs on the outside of the city um as you approach the city you can see that to the north of the 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 city of clinium is walled in on basically three sides and then the west side is actually a port um but you can see in the on the north side of the city there is uh on the as the road stretches further north um kind of heading along the coast 
uh, you can see there's a small village uh, that kind of uh, hugs the road. It's a uh, it's basically just like a, um, houses that uh, line either side of the road. And to the south, you see the same. And then um, coming off the road to the uh, to the east of the city, you see an, an even smaller little village. Um, and Pine and Richter, you guys would know that these villages, that the North Village and the South Village, they both have names. Um, the North Village is called uh, Pillarin Village. And then the South Village is actually called um, Moraville. And um, the village, the little uh, kind of suburb there on the on the east side is so small, it doesn't really have a name. It's just a small collection of houses. But then you actually start flying over Collinium itself. And um, Richter and Pine, you know, you can see, looking from above, it's pretty easy to tell kind of the three different kind of areas of the city. Collinium is a strange city in that there's not really a, quote, bad side of town. Um, there is the upper class, the kind of rich part of town, and then there's kind of the port district, and then there's the sort of more middle class um, part of town. And then basically all of the the kind of the, the, the poorer people don't actually live in the city. They live in the smaller villages on the outside of the city. Um, Collinium itself, the houses are beautiful. They are um, elegantly built, um, a lot of uh, delicate uh, woodwork and um, you know multiple colors uh, of tile roofs you know dot the city so you might have a blue roof I believe I also at one point said very gothic in their architecture so lots of pointed arches not round ones pointed yes lots of pointed arches um, and like you might have a blue roof next to a green roof next to a, rude, a red roof um, just very kind of looking down from above it's very um, beautiful don't let the map on the wiki fool you okay um, there are a few things that dominate the city um, as you approach. Um, one is the Skyport, um, this large tower that sticks up into the air. You guys have been to Skyports before. In fact, you left one in Almar. Um, three big towers come up into the sky. And off of each of the towers, you see these long piers, these long uh, kind of docks that jut out over over the city and you see airships tying off some airships are leaving some airships are are coming uh and uh and are, are in the process of unloading their goods that kind of thing next to the skyport you see that there's like a market square but a little bit further south of the skyport um there is the largest structure in the city when i see when i see the market i'm going to squint my eyes is gerard already there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 100% he is. <laughs> if you had a spyglass, uh, make a perception check with disadvantage. Double disadvantage. Uh, I really am going to do that. Disadvantage? Okay, that's fine. But you know he's there. He's 190% there. Dude, I rolled two 22s. <laughs> <laughs> At this distance, it's hard to tell, but you're pretty sure you can see this large hairy form slowly kind of wandering uh, through the market and there seems to be a figure standing next to him uh, moving with him um, yeah and uh, take that as you will and then Gerard comes up and stands next to you and says hey nice view huh my friend <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just I just look back I look at him and then back to the ground and then back at him and my eyes go wider and wider each time <laughs> He's like, uh, well, I'll leave you to it. Big gulps, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
a little bit further south of um, the Skyport, you see the largest building in the city. It's kind of a castle complex. There are towers and walls that surround this um, this structure. So there are these three towers that come up and they um, they go very high up into the sky. Um, higher than the skyport actually um and these are elegantly built um you can see that um from the tip of one tower you see um two banners uh you see a golden banner and a blue a sky blue banner from the tip of another tower you see a green banner and kind of a a brownish orange banner and then um on the tip of the third tower you see two purple banners richter and pine you know this building is the Abbey of Balance. This is the headquarters of the theocrats of Menares. This is where decisions are made that affect the entirety of the country. And uh, the theocrats are a combination of six delegates or clerics, um, religious folk of some kind, appointees um, who um, represent um, six different lords and ladies. Um, well, technically five lords and ladies. Anyway. Um, and they come together and they make decisions uh, that basically rule the country of Menarest. Um, a very beautiful, beautiful building. Um, and just south of that, you see that there is like this park, this garden. Um, it's got trees and grass. You can see at this distance, there are some trails and things. Um, and uh, Pine and Richter, you know that that is the, um, the garden of Lord Moshe. That is kind of his uh, area here in the city that's dedicated to Lord Moshe. Um, real quick, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background about Menarest, just for our listeners. Really Cliff Notes version. The country of Menarest is ruled by theocrats, and um, there are two that represent judgment and mercy, um, which would be uh, Lord, Lord Asterman, who represents justice and judgment, and Lady Naraya, who represents mercy. Um, they are kind of the Lord and Lady of justice and mercy there is also two delegates from cadriel who um, represent knowledge and magic and um and we've dealt with cadriel before there's actually a library of cadriel here in Colinium. and then there are two delegates one from lord moshe um and one from lady artarian who is the lady of decay and uh the the other important part of life which is the end of life kind of the the death and decay and leaching back into the soil to bring new life um, so that is how the country is ruled by a delegate from each of those different lords and ladies that come together in the Abbey of Balance. Um, yeah, as you guys approach, the, the brass butterfly um, flies in low over the city and comes in towards the skyport. Hey, if, ever, if you guys are on the, the wiki, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for our listeners, but, but check out the port in the uh, northwest corner. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you, you laugh like you laugh Paul like. Paul is so um, proud of himself. You I kind of am. You laugh like <laughs> Muttley. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So for any of our patrons um, who want to go check this out on the wiki, uh, go to Clinium and check out the naval yard. It's kind of fun. Named after probably the greatest captain in Menory's history. <laughs> yes. For sure, one hundred percent. He's, in my opinion, he's the second greatest captain. Yes, there will always be one captain to rule them all in my book. I've seen better. 
Y'all have problems. <laughs> <laughs> I am with Pine. Um, anyway, as the uh, brass butterfly comes flying in low over the city towards the skyport, you see dock workers getting ready with lines to toss them aside or to toss them over to the ship. You can see that the sailors are all coming to port to the to port um, on the ship to get ready to um, lash the ship up against this wharf. And um, the captain uh, tells you, why don't you all... <laughs> Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> None of the listeners will know the reference, or it, it might be a couple of leaps for them, but it, it was there. <laughs> so this is a joke for our patrons who can go access the wiki. So there we go. Yeah, uh, the captain says, why don't you all go below and gather your things? We'll be, we'll be docked up and secured in, in just a few minutes. And then um, I thank you all for your traveling with us aboard the Brass Butterfly. Thank you so much, good captain. Um, and uh, again, we are, we are so dreadfully sorry that some of our troubles followed us onto your ship. So please accept this. And I'm going to give him another 10 gold. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you, good sir. Um, you see there's already sailors that are prying up the boards to change them. Because <laughs> blood and sleep into the floors. All right. Um, yeah, so you guys could go grab your things down from below. And uh, then as you come back up onto the deck, the ship is tied off to the, to the uh, dock. You're able to um, leave the ship and head down either down the stairs or down like a, an elevator type of a type of a contraption uh and you step out of the skyport down onto the cobblestone streets of Kalinium. straight ahead as you step out you see um this large market square um and richter and pine you know this is called the market of the martyrs um and um yeah and then also pine especially you you know that um, when you were here a few years ago, uh, trying to help kind of with the country of Menares get it back on its feet, um, you stayed in an inn that is on the north edge of the market of the of the martyrs called the Belly Up Inn. Um, and actually, as you step out, you can actually see across the market. You can see the front door of the Belly Up Inn. Um, it's a little bit nicer inn, a little bit more expensive, uh, but. Um, you spent a lot of time there. I think you spent almost a year uh, living at that inn. So what do you say? You want to go to the belly up? I mean, it's an, it's a really nice inn, but I honestly, it's just the the name just conjures this image. It's so funny in my mind. <laughs> big big old big old belly up. It's as long as I have some place soft to lay my head, I'm I'm okay with that. Well, I mean, let, let's let's secure a place to stay for the night. Forget about that and find a different place later. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> I mean, we could. I, I think it might be useful. It might be helpful to to check in with the Library of Cadrill to see if they have any leads on where the uh, the earthquakes are originating from. I don't know. What other contacts do you think we should make in this city? Of course, you would go to the Library of Cadrill as your first stop. Uh, I mean, for my part, I usually went to the Lounging Hound Tavern, and uh, oftentimes you could hear a good amount of of rumors there. A lot of information that came in uh, relative to our to our work with the um, uh, with more of the uh, information gathering and espionage side of the military. I could go for a drink. I'll accompany you. Does the hounds, uh, the lounging hound, does it have uh, rooms? 
Uh, Richter, you would know it does not. It, it is straight up just a bar. They have good food there, though. Yeah, it's just a watering hole, but they had a delicious fried fish dish. You would be blown away. It's such a simple thing, but truly delicious. Yeah, I mean, I guess the lounging hound technically could keep us overnight if we drank like a fish like this guy, huh? Like this guy, huh? And I start like <laughs> jabbing you in the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Stay there all night drunk, pass it on the floor. It does seem it does seem like Pine has a bit of a better understanding of uh, where we should rest our heads, if you know what I mean. No, yeah, and that's fine. That's yes. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if we secure a place. I'd like to take a little ride around the city on Crumbles, if that's okay. But I think that we need to come up with a plan. And I'm sure we should have probably talked about this on the ship, but there were just so many excursions taking up all our time. <laughs> Did you do that sky snorkeling? It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And those flying manta eels were just beautiful. My, my beard is getting a little too long and it couldn't create a good seal. So I kept like getting clouds up my nose, I guess. <laughs> too much oxygen. I've heard that can cause problems. Anyway, so I think Library of Cadrell, any other ideas, please throw them out here. No, we can begin with the library. That's fine. Or we could split up. Some of us could go to the tavern. Some more could go to the to the library. I'd, I'd be very happy to go to the library. I mostly was just giving Pine here a, uh, a hard time. Our styles have always been a bit different. He's been a bit more measured and one to seek knowledge and wisdom, whereas I was always driven by, you know, more of a... Too late, buddy. You're going to the tavern. We're going to the library. Stop trying to backtrack out of it. (laughs) I just get lonely when I drink alone. <laughs> oh. Well the the belly up, honestly, what I liked about the belly up too is it you know you know when like if you're watching like a movie about Sherlock Holmes, how all the men sit around in a room with like newspapers and pipes and stuff, and it's like a gentleman's thing. The belly up has one of those, but it's not so, you know, toxic. Anybody can come in. Yes, yeah. No, this is fine. Yeah, and the belly up is is nice and close to the skyport. It makes sense. All right, you guys uh, start walking across the Market of the Martyrs. As you guys walk across the Market of the Martyrs, you actually see that um, uh, Gerard is actually in the process of already setting up his tent, and Porthos has already found a space in the shade to uh, lounge and chew his cud. And he kind of waves as you walk by. Are there two Gerards? Of course not. There's only one. (laughs) (laughs) That's Gerard. (laughs) It was fun spending some time with you on that ship. And he waves. Do you mind if uh, do you mind if Crumbles hangs out with you for a little bit? Oh, of course. Come, my friend. Come. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave Crumbles with Gerard because it's literally just outside of this place we're getting a room. So, as long as they're not in heat. <laughs> As you guys approach the Belly Up Inn, you see that it is a plaster-like walled building. It's got like um very intricately carved doors uh and also like uh, the window frames are a dark wood this looks this place looks very um very posh uh very nice there's like little garden boxes out in front um with bushes and 
and flowers growing. It looks like it's very well maintained and taken care of. And uh, Pine, you would know that the proprietor of the um, of the Belly Up Inn is a woman named Hudley, um, and she is uh, she's probably middle aged. Um, like she's got uh, blonde hair. It's always kind of tied back. She's short, probably about four feet tall, um, stocky, um, but very like very delicate um, and um, uh, kind of agile on her feet. Uh, kind of uh, uh, not what you would expect uh, from uh, from kind of her her build. Um, she seems quite um, smooth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, you guys approach the front door of this inn. You guys can go ahead and walk on in. I even have a door that you guys can open. Amazing. Sorry to our listeners who couldn't see that. It is amazing. Um, as you guys walk in to the uh, Belly Up Inn, you see that um, it. you walk into this large common room, dark wood floors. There's a large fireplace on the... Um, kind of on the uh, eastern wall or the western wall with like a rack of antlers you can see that um this section of the bar the uh of the common room actually uh this is a two-story building but actually the uh the the ceiling above the common room is um extra high there's actually a balcony um at the north end that looks down over the common room um where you know that there are lots of bedrooms up on the second floor um there's like these two big chandeliers hanging down over the common room um there's a bar on the right side there's some tables in the middle you see people sitting and eating and, and talking um, everyone here is dressed relatively nicely you can see that there is um it looks like a city watchman or something is in here it looks like he's having a little drink maybe on his rounds or something. Uh, you see just a lot of um, a lot of folk just enjoying their time here. You see there's a, a bartender uh, standing behind the bar getting people drinks and uh, anyone who orders food. And Pine, you see um, you see Hudley, this this uh, st- kind of stocky middle-aged woman uh, standing behind a desk uh, kind of on the left side as you enter. And uh, she says, welcome to the Belly Up Inn. Oh, <gasps> Mr. Pine! As she comes and steps around the desk and... Um, she steps up to you, Mr. Pine, and she kind of demurely gives you her hand. I will say, good lady Hudley, and I will give her a kiss on the hand, as a gentleman should. And she kind of turns her head. Oh, Mr. Pine, as she pulls her hand back, she says, oh, Mr. Pine, it is so good to have you back. What brings you back to Glenium? Wait, I'm sorry, how old is this woman? Oh, middle-aged, probably in her 40s. Mm, nice. My daughter's age. <laughs> Uh, she winks at you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Half my age plus seven, I guess. <laughs> she says, what brings you back to Clinima? Will you be staying with us again? An extended stay? <laughs> I believe your room is still available. Oh, really? No. Hopefully you've cleaned it since I was last here. <laughs> <laughs> I had to change the sheets and she winks at you. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on? It took so many loads on loads and loads of washing machines to get it taken care of. <laughs> oh, she uh, she pinches your cheek. She reaches up and she kind of well, she doesn't pinch you. She reaches up and she kind of rubs your cheek a little bit. Just just got a little crush. She's like, oh, I love to make you blush, Mister Pine. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> me and my friends. Is it our turn to explain the birds and the bees to you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm a father of three, thank you. <laughs> she, uh, she says, oh, you'll have to excuse this little banter that we have back and forth. Oftentimes, uh, Mr. Pine would come back to the inn late at night and would take his meals alone, and I would join him um, sometimes, and we'd 
we talk and chat and we developed a, a bit of a relationship. And um, I like to pretend that it was more than it was just to get a rise out of him. He says, will you and your companions be looking for rooms, looking for meals? I, well, I think this would be a great place for us to stay while we're in town. I don't anticipate us being here long, but uh, yes, while we're here, we will be wanting rooms and, and meals. Yeah, Hudley says, um, would you like rooms on the first floor or would you like rooms on the second floor? We have some available wherever. Do we each want our own room? Honestly, so Hudley. I think Mr. Pine wants his own room. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She actually reaches down and she hands you a key, Pine, and she says, second second floor, uh, last room on the left. Damn, she knows where that is. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) And Matt does not know what's going on. Uh. Um, Okay, so anyone can make it. Anyone besides Pine can make an insight check. I love the idea that Pine really doesn't know what's going on. Roos got a 21. Damn it, Nari only got an 11. (laughs) Richter, did you want to make an insight check or no? You're just, you're just. Laughing along. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, I'll make an insight check. Why not? Not that I'm good at these. Uh, 19. Um, uh, Nari? Um, oh, yeah, they banged. <laughs> <laughs> With year 11. Um, uh, Roos and Richter, Roos and Richter, you guys both can tell that she's just, she loves the reaction that she gets from Pine. Um, the blustery, you know, um, kind of I don't know you know the the pink cheeks and everything um uh yeah she's 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 just a flirt and um pine is an easy target um and the rest of you would you like to share rooms or would you like your own rooms we have um we have nice sized beds you, we even have a few rooms that you can share if you'd rather um bunk up you know given what occurred in route perhaps we should pair up at the least I mean, if Pine doesn't have to pair up, why why do I need to pair up? That seems... I honestly, I'm fine <laughs> pairing up. <laughs> and so, Pine, you know that she gave you the key to your room that you were in before. Um, it's a large room. It's got a big, like, like uh, king-size bed um, in it. So definitely room for two people if you wanted to share that bed. But it's definitely one of the nicer rooms. It's got like a big desk in it. It's got like a big wardrobe for all of your clothes and all of your all of your gear to stash in there. It's it's a very nice room. Honestly, we could all stay in 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 my room if people were okay sleeping on the floor. It's a giant bed, but probably wouldn't comfortably fit more than two of us. Uh, I I don't think that bed is long enough for me. H- Hudley looks aghast at you for saying sleep on the floor in her very nice inn. <gasps> Mr. Pine, how dare you? What you know? Why would you Hudley, want I mean, anyone I'm okay in the if... room with us, Mr. Pine? <laughs> <laughs> she says, I mean, as long as it starts, I mean, it can end on the floor. That's fine. But at least start in a bed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> at least she has manners. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. So listen, um, as you know, uh, Ambassador to Tabery, Ambassador from Tabery, all that, yes. But I've also been an adventure. We've talked about this. I've had all kinds of crazy adventures, right? Of course, of course, yes. Well, this guy's ex-boyfriend broke into our room a couple nights ago, and then we had to throw him overboard from like 20,000 feet. It was actually a really good story. 
Well, that's really high. That's really high for an airship. <laughs> I'm not very good at <laughs> estimating distances, so probably like two miles. <laughs> two miles is 10,000 feet. It's, it's one, two, comma, zero, zero, zero. So like, I don't know, like a hundred yards? I don't, like I said, I'm really bad at distances. <laughs> the ground was small from where we were. Yeah, ground was very small. She says, well, I can assure you that um, the City Watch actually um, is constantly on patrol here in the in the Market of the Martyrs. And the, there's nowhere safer in the whole of the city than the Belly Up Inn, I can assure you. Are there rooms nearby my room? Of course. If we're all going to be sleeping in our own room or even doubling up, as long as we're within, you know, shouting distance. This, okay, if anybody, let me tell you this, okay. If anybody <laughs> from how... Jesus Christ, I'm already so annoyed with this man. (laughs) (laughs) The customer service in me is like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You see Hudley is just smiling, grinning from ear to ear at this interaction. She is loving it. Let's just say this. If anybody from Howling Talon comes looking for Roos, you've never seen him. But if anybody from Howling Talon comes looking for Pine, you can send him my way. I, I understand. Yes, um, I don't know who Roos is. Roos is this guy. Roos waves. Oh, okay. So good to tell her that and then say you've never seen him. That, that'll do a lot under torture. <laughs> Wait, torture? Wait, what? Huh? Torture? This guy's name is Joff. All I'm saying is if she's getting tortured to tell us, like, who is where... Why'd you introduce her to him and say, like, don't tell anybody about him? <laughs> she looks, she sizes you up, Nari. She says, who's going to be torturing me? Nobody will be torturing you. Come on. Nobody, obviously, no one. No one. She reaches behind her desk and pulls out this, like, w- uh, wicked looking, like, little mace and sets it on the desk. And she's like, nobody's going to be torturing me. Right. Yes. Of course. Right. Oh, anyway, yes. So um, this conversation has gone on way longer than I expected. <laughs> there are there are rooms um, available. Yes. So um, Pine's room is, has a king size bed right across the hall. There's a room that has uh, two single beds, and then there's another like king size bed, um, a little bit larger room, and then a little bit smaller room. Um, so um, that should not be a problem uh, to get rooms all close to each other. Um, as you guys get your rooms all situated, um, you guys can decide who's going to sleep where um, later. Um, Hudley asks if you um, are if you would like to get some lunch before you venture out on the city. Well, yeah. All right. Um, she asks if you would like a private dining or would you like to sit at the bar? We should sit at the bar and, you know, get to know the locals. Yeah, the bar sounds great. All right. Um, yes, you guys all kind of belly up to the belly up bar. See, it's a cute name, right? Like, like a big belly up at the bar and like bellies. Tummies are funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you guys kind of belly up to the bar. You guys are sitting there having your meal. Um, you see there's other people sitting at the bar uh, nearby. You can hear like just some some snippets of conversations. Um, you hear a couple people who are just kind of um, complaining about um, you know, just typical things you might hear at a bar. Somebody saying like, oh man, that the Marchioness, she's just, she's got too much power. She, I'm telling you she's got too much power. And then the person says, no, there's six of them. I, the, the theocrats, they, they've got it all under control. Um, don't worry about the Marchioness. You know, they, they'll make sure everything keeps running smoothly in our country. 
uh, you hear one person complaining, yes, they actually had to kick out um, of the city. Another another small group of them had come in. And somebody says, Ugh, why don't they just stay in their villages where they belong? And uh, yeah, that's kind of what you're hearing besides like the normal like, so anyway, I was uh, at the market the other day and I saw this uh, woolly ox and um, I got this egg, right? So just kind of random conversations, but you pick up a a couple of... It's not an egg! (laughs) (laughs) We've been eating them all along. We were so wrong! But they taste so good. (laughs) Would you eat an owl pellet if it tasted like a really good omelet? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, obviously, like, we eat such weird things. Like, that's not even that weird. All right. Okay. You guys enjoy this nice uh, meal. Um, and um, afterwards, um, well, it sounds like I'll, I'll whisper to my friends and say, well, it sounds like there's still not balance among the clerics. So, uh, Pine, real quick, uh, a little a little behind the scenes, uh, not behind the scenes, a little flashback for you, Pine. Back when you were trying to help out the country of Menarest a few years ago, kind of in that five-year gap that we kind of skipped over, we, we, uh, we talked a little bit about, um, you were here and there was, um, they had recreated the theocracy, including the six different clerics, the, the, the Marquis and the Marchioness. Um, there's, there's a, uh, that's just the name of the of the of the different clerics, the different theocrats, um, there was one, the Marchioness uh, Judge Annette, uh, who was actually uh, representing Asterman, um, Justice and Judgment. She was the one that I think Pine you had the most trouble with because you could see her manipulating and controlling the other, maybe more timid members of this council of six. Um, and I think that that's probably, she's probably the one that you actually got fed up with more than anything um, before you left. So it would have been the Marchioness Annette and she is called Judge Annette because she represents Asterman of Justice and Judgment. She's more a politician than a religious leader. She kind of defeats the purpose. She has ambitions and she was uh, hard to negotiate with. And uh, didn't seem to care too much about the foundations of this country and cared a lot more about her own legacy. Well, sounds like one of them religious types. I'm ready to beat him up. No, that's the point. She wasn't one of those religious types. She's like straight up like lobby, you know, loving, dark money, politics, all that. Yes, you could at least count on the religious types to be consistent. And that's the thing, is that, is that it, literally the theocracy of Menarest was not run by theocrats anymore. Um, in name only, really. Um, the, the members of the, of the, of the, the theocracy, of the, the, kind of the, the six clerics, um, some of them actually were um, you know, devotees or, or um, you know, acolytes of the Lord or lady that they represent. But um, you know that Annette, uh, Judge Annette, had nothing to do with Asterman until very quickly, like very shortly right before Menarest was reformed as a theocracy. Well, as you guys finish your meal, um, did you guys decide where you wanted, did you want to go to the library of Cadriel? Did you guys want to go um, the Lounging Hound? Or did you want to go somewhere else? Let's do Lounging Hound for dinner and then go to the library for the afternoon. It'll probably take us all afternoon to try to get to the secret part of the library. Oh, man. 
<laughs> I can only imagine. I think at this point we figured it out. We just got to kind of give the code. It's a double finger guns. I don't know how to alphabetize a Menorese. Spoiler alert, there is a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very proud of this one. Um, Hudley, question quickly. Um, there's been, we've heard rumors that there's earthquakes and, and tremors and things in the area. Have you heard where they may be more strongly focused? Uh, all I all I've heard is that it's relatively close to here. Um, somewhere here, close. It's it's not as bad in the rest of the nation and the rest of the uh, uh, of the country, but um, here, close to Clinium and um, just north, uh, kind of between Clinium and then uh, Brevedine, uh, which is kind of northeast of here. Um, that is where they seem to be centered at. That's all I know. Um, but I mean, apparently. Um, there hasn't really been too much damage here in Kalinium, but um, an occasional, you know, broken bottle or I've heard rumors that some of the houses outside of the city, um, you know, the less well-built ones, they they don't stand up quite as well to the tremors. But um, you'll probably feel one before the end of the day, in all honesty. They're, they've become quite, uh, quite common. Tell me, what, what's, what's, the, what's the story with uh, the villages? Seems like... It seems like there's there was always talk about improvements or integration into the city or you know walls, but uh, nothing's changed. In fact, it, from the air, it looked like maybe it even got worse. It, it has gotten worse. Um, you know the the argument is keeping the citizens of Clinium safe from the riffraff and the illegals. Oh my goodness. <laughs> They're flying over here in their airships. <laughs> it's a good thing there's a wall. <laughs> the unsavories. The unsavory folk. Well, and you all know we can't trust those of Moraville. I mean, they're all Marion. Um, Pine and Richter, you would know that the, the citizens of the village of Moraville, which is the southern one, um, a lot of those were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Refugees. Refugees. Yeah, refugees from uh, from Almar. Um, and uh, so Moraville has like a kind of Almerian feel to it, that little village. Um, and there's always been a little bit of mistrust between the rest of Clinium and, um, and Moraville. Yeah, the history that we came up with for that was that uh, when Almar itself, the city, was conquering its neighbors in Rocolia, that some refugees came to Menarest seeking, you know, asylum. And they weren't allowed into the city, so they built a, a, a shantytown community outside the walls south of the city. And and we're talking fifty five years ago when the empire was first being formed. So, uh, so moraville has been here for a while, but um, there's still that stigma um, associated. So, so their children are Menorees, but like the pure blooded Menorees don't see them as as actual citizens. No, unfortunately, they, at, at this point, it's more Kalinium than anything. Um, it's protecting the people of Kalinium from the riffraff. I mean, think about even Pillarin village up north. They're Menorese, but they're not of the city. Yeah, there is a certain um, uh, prestige of living in Kalinium um, that doesn't exist in the rest of the country. Kalinium is kind of a, a an anomaly uh, in the country of Menarest. Um, and maybe it's just because it's the seat of power. Maybe because like this is where decisions are made. Um, maybe that might have something to do with it. And, and it's also a very old city and the 
you know, the buildings are old and beautiful, you know, um, just, you know, the old architecture with the Gothic pointed arches everywhere. That's also on the coast. And you know, those coastal elites. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're really not selling Kalinium on me. I'm not from Kalinium. I'm from Father West. Yes, as was I. It was always a little too political here. You're from the West? I thought you were from the East. Well, yes, no, I'm, well, yes. Oh, you're not from Kalinium, okay. (laughs) Yes, just being not from Kalinium. No, yes, I was from the East side, which was significantly better than the West. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it was like where you were from, but there was, it was, I mean, honestly, we took, we took, it was a point of pride not being from Kalinium. Just the way that uh, we some people saw it. You know, that was when I was growing up. So hardly present. Obviously, I've grown up and matured and all that. So, but that's just that's the way it is out in the in the you know in the boondocks. Well, of course, and actually, having been raised here in Kalinium, there is a certain pride of being of Kalinium. There's a a prestige that just kind of suffuses the air here. But we always kicked your ass in football. <laughs> Hudley um, waves you goodbye and kind of blows you a kiss, Mr. Pine, as you leave the Belly Up Inn and head over to the the library here in Kalinium, the Library of Cadriel. Um, As you approach the outside of the building, the the library here is not as big as the library was in Arkelvy. This is a smaller library. You know that there are other larger libraries um, in other cities here in Menarest, um, but this one is... um, uh, is still substantial. Um, as you approach, you can see that there are um, double doors, um, two sets of double doors. As you walk into this large building, uh, you see that there are just rows and rows and rows of bookcases. Um, as you step in, you can see it's empty except for um, what looks like one librarian who is kind of busily um, kind of uh, pulling a book down off the shelf and looking at it. So she is slender. She's got um, she, her skin is covered in like a kind of a light blue, almost grayish uh, blue scales. Um, she is wearing robes of cadriel. You can see she's got a pin um, or a brooch on her on her uh, robes of uh, the face of cadriel, uh, which is like uh, an open mouth, a two eyes and an open mouth, um, which you would know as Lord Cadriel, kind of the the Lord of of uh, open source knowledge. Uh, and she is, um, she doesn't even recognize that you've come in um, as you uh, walk into the library. Do you think we should say something to her? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. She kind of, is she cute to you? Maybe you should go talk to her. I wasn't even saying that. I was just more thinking that. What? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do very well last time we were in the library of Cadriol, you know? I just. I don't want to be embarrassed. Well, okay, well, let's go talk to her. Let's well, let's ask for some kind. Let's ask for a book that maybe is um, a little off limits, maybe a little, you know, and then and and see what she says about where we might find a puzzle or something. Nari will sashay up and then say, "Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, do you have a book on necromancy?" You can see she's reading a book. Um, you can make a perception check to see what she's reading on. Uh, but she kind of shakes her head and looks over. And she says, oh, oh, uh, pardon me. Welcome to the library of Cadriel. Okay, I got a 27 perception. My name is uh, Marchioness Librarian Genevieve. 
Welcome to the library. Holy crap! You um you recognize she's reading a book. It's about botany. Um, and uh, you see um, you really quickly glance and you can see like um, a couple words talking about red leaf and the trees of red leaf anyway um, yes this is uh, Marchioness librarian Genevieve her introducing herself as the Marchioness you would know that she is one of the six clerics um, that uh, runs the country but she's also a librarian of Cadriel so she does spend her time here in the library this is like this is like going to Burger King, and and then like your senator takes your order. And seeing the Burger King, I was gonna say your senator takes your order. But <laughs> also you saw the Burger King. <laughs> She's like oh, necromancy. Um, oh um, I I we don't we don't have books on necromancy here. Um. And then she kind of like um oh oh she kind of yeah, oh um yeah uh, um. Uh, you can see that she's like stumbling over her words as she's trying to think of what to say, and she says, "No, no, perhaps, um, perhaps you you'd rather take a class, right? We offer classes here, right? Maybe you'd rather take a class. I love a class, please. Yeah, of course. With even without an insight check, you get the impression this woman is absent-minded as can be. She is, she is absorbed in her study, and um." you guys showing up and talking to her has totally thrown her off her game. We actually have the Lord and Lady Cadriel passport. It's like the, the, that restaurant McMinimins does, where each time you go to a new library, they give you a stamp when you go through it. Yes, it's very exciting. Do you have a stamp and a, um, a secret hidden passage for us to go down? <laughs> <laughs> When you say a secret hidden passage, a perception check is not needed. She kind of uh, she kind of jolts and she goes, um, n- no, but perhaps. And then she kind of motions kind of uh, further into the building uh, with her hand. She says, perhaps you'd like to take a class. Yes, we'll take a class. Oh, well, we have our listing of all of our classes over there on that bulletin board. So, Roos, you move past these rows of books. This lady, the Marchioness, um, uh, Marchioness Genevieve, um, she, uh, as you guys walk pastor you can almost hear her sigh <sighs> like almost like a congratulatory sigh like ah oh, you did well Genevieve you did well and then she goes right back to her book Pine actually was going to walk up to her and tell her straight up it's like uh, good lady Marchioness you did wonderfully um she looks at you and she kind of squints her eyes and she says you might be giving her an overinflated self of ego dude <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to instill in her some confidence so she can stand up to the uh, the other marchioness of of law. You uh, you see her look at you and say, "Temrid Pine, Temrid Pine, are you? You're back in Kalinium? Only briefly." Um, she says, "Oh well, Mister Pine, well, welcome back to Kalinium. I'm. Are you are you going to make an appeal at the Abbey?" I don't know what about. I mean... Well, you were always there before. Right, and then... Always making your pitches and everything. And always being ignored. Okay, go on. She kind of nods at that. She says, yes. Yes, always being ignored. Oh, well. And then she goes back to her book. Um, (laughs) Roos and Nari, you guys are up at this bulletin board. Richter, did you go in too? Yeah. Yeah, I went in. 
All right, Richter, you are up at the bulletin board as well. And you guys can see that on this bulletin board, as Pine is um, tapping on bricks somewhere else in the building, looking for secret passages, um, you see that there are a few different pieces of paper. And you know how like um, classic piece of paper with a listing and then there's little, they cut the paper at the bottom to pull on tabs, right? It's Craigslist. <laughs> there are, um, the, you can pull a little tab off, you know, to remind you of when the class is. Um, looks like there's like one, two, three, four. There's five different classes or presentations that are going on um, here um, at the Library of Cadriel um, with different times. Um, you see that one of them is called Murderous Mathematics. Why dividing by zero is a very bad idea. Um, there's another one called Head Full of Hammers, the Biology of a Hangover. There's another one called Munster and Commander, a brief history of heroic cheeses. <laughs> there is there is a fourth one that is from absorb elements to zone of truth, an introduction to abjuration. And then the last one says, My feet hurt, a presentation of one man's trek from Delatal to Northport. So we have to take all of these classes and pass them, and then we can get to the secret part. Um, there are five different uh, pieces of paper, five different uh, classes or presentations. Murderous mathematics, why dividing by zero is a very bad idea. Head full of hammers, the biology of a hangover. Munster and commander, a brief history of heroic cheeses. From absorb elements to zone of truth, an introduction to abjuration. And my feet hurt, a presentation of one man's trek from Delatal to Northport. Wait a second. Zone of truth's not abjuration. Huzzah! Do I need to make a arcana check for Pine to know that? Because Matt knows that. <laughs> no, because that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like, well, Matt, good job. You solved the puzzle, but your character didn't, so you're out of luck. No, you go and you reach up and you start to pull on the tab for um for that class, and as you do, um a doorway opens. And um, it, the whole wall kind of moves uh, down. It's, it's kind of loud here in this quiet building. Ka-clunk, ka-clunk, ka-clunk. It's not smooth uh, tech like you were used to in like the facilities of the ancients. Um, but straight ahead down this narrow hallway, you can see it looks like a lift or an elevator. And the only direction it can go is down. Okay, and then Pine says, wait a second, Commander's not a cheese. And I'll pull on that tab too. <laughs> <laughs> and you now have a ticket to a class. <laughs> As you are looking at this lift, congratulations, you guys have solved this puzzle of Cadriel uh, to access the secret hidden library of Lady Cadriel beneath the library here in the city of Kalinium. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. All right, guys. Well, thanks for playing. That was uh, that was a blast. I had so much fun today. What the, the hell fun. was going on today? Something was in my water. I don't know. All right, guys. Well, hey, um, thanks for listening. Go check us out on Discord. You can join uh, with us and chat with us. Um, and uh, we really like just the community that we're building over there. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you, our listeners. Also, don't forget, we do have a shop, um, but no scrubs um, because I want it that way. Um, and they were unpretty. Um, <laughs> Um, also, uh, Patreon, if you want to, if you want to see the city of Clinium, kind of what we were talking about, what we were discussing and also hear the library of Cadriel, um, then join the Patreon and, um, at a certain level, you get access to the wiki and the maps. And of course you get all the bonus episodes, you get our, our chats, you get our character sheets, um, and all the fun stuff. 
But until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>